Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Join together in God's Word tonight. We're going to look at John chapter 4 in your Bibles. John chapter 4. And as we're uh, getting there, um, you know, uh, if you ever be, you know, it's a shame anymore that there aren't circuses like they used to be. You know, I remember when the girls were little that you could take your child to the circus and and they get to see all the big animals and they get to see the tigers and the elephants and all that and it's just a shame that there's not circuses like they used to be and i think uh uh there there's a lot to be said about circuses and i'm sure there was uh you know um some that didn't treat the animals quite as good as they should have, but uh, part of it was out of ignorance, I think, and part of it was out of fear. One of the things, though, that you'd see whenever... I, I lived in uh, West Virginia, and they used to tell about how the circus would come to town, and they would. And uh, where I lived in West Virginia, there were hills really high, uh, you know, steep hills going into town and everything. And they talk about the, the, uh, the circus coming in on the train. And, and they would uh, come in into town on the train, and then they, would, uh, they had all the animals, and they, the animals would help push the, some of the carts up the hills to where they were going to have the circus uh, set up and everything. Of course, that was back when uh, the circus set up actual tents and didn't have you know coliseums and things like that. Uh, of course, those kind of things are bygone days, but uh, all of us are familiar with the view of of elephants being uh, tethered down by a chain, you know, a, a chain to where uh, the stakes put into the ground and, and the elephants put on that chain. And the the way in which that works <coughs> is, is the chain only goes, I mean, the stake only goes about 18 inches into the ground. It's clear that the elephant could easily pull the the uh, the stake up out of the ground, but what happens is is that uh, when the elephant is young, when the elephant is small, uh, just a small little uh, elephant, they begin then to train the elephant, putting the chain on its leg and putting the stake in the ground. And at that point, the elephant's too weak to and not uh, strong enough to pull it out of the ground. And all their life, the elephant is trained uh, in that way in which they... <coughs> <coughs> When they're tethered there, they're tethered in the same way. And the elephant just gets to the point where it doesn't try. It doesn't try any longer to try and and pull that chain out because it learned a long time ago that it couldn't. 
<coughs> Excuse me. It's that time of year, folks. And uh, and this is with the oxygen in my mouth. <laughs> so, uh, uh, <coughs> thank you. The, uh, excuse me, though. But the elephant learns at a very young age <coughs> that it can't pull that chain out of the ground. And the elephant remembers. The elephant has a long memory. And throughout its life, it's conditioned and trained that it's supposed to stay where that stake is is pounded into the ground and not to pull on the chain, not to pull away from the stake and uh, always stay there in that place. Now, in some countries, there have been accidents where uh, uh, elephants are spooked and they... (coughs) I heard a lot of people uh, running through... uh, populated areas and things like that um, but for the most part elephants that are trained correctly uh, they don't even have to really put the stake very far into the ground because the, it, the elephant is just trained to, to know that they're supposed to stay there in the Christian walk in the Christian life uh, we have to learn to to uh, uh, trust is built in the same way. When we learn to trust in God, if we learn to trust in God in the small things, we can learn to begin to trust in God in greater and greater things. It's not that God is trying to fool us or that God is trying to um, to mislead us, but uh, we have to learn to begin to trust God in small things so that we can learn to trust in God in bigger things. This morning we talked about faith and how we need to have faith in God. And faith is more than just belief that there is a God and faith in in God for things in our life. And trust is a big part of faith. Trust is, is, is... being willing to apply faith to a certain circumstance. And trust and faith are two different things. When you came in tonight, believe it or not, you had trust that that seat was going to hold you up when you sat down. There's nothing that says that that pew that you're sitting in is is going to give uh, is going to support you other than the fact that you have sat in that pew before have sat in pews like that pew before and you trust that that pew is going to support you it's not that uh, that you instinctively knew that the pew was going to support you, but you just believed it would because you trusted in circumstances like that. Same way when you go, and I remember when we had some of these kind of chairs. Uh, you've seen those kind of chairs where the back of the chair comes down, goes like this underneath the seat, and goes down, makes a curve, and comes back underneath. No, Nothing really sitting on the ground except for that curve and you trust in the fact that when you sit down it's not your weight is not going to bend that metal to the point where you fall onto the ground there was a time when i didn't trust every seat that i sat in 
because I'd sat in some really cheap old uh, inexpensive plastic chairs that didn't have very much strength in them and and you know you you get to the point where you don't trust certain things um, but for the most part you believe that if a chair sat out that it's going to support you so you don't question it you just instinctively have trust in the chair to sit down trust is uh, is something that has to be uh, developed though and in a Christian life um, for many of us we don't begin trusting in God because we never initially depend on God for things uh, beyond what we can uh, see and beyond what we can know and beyond what we can uh, accomplish in and of ourselves, And the problem is, is that we ought to have trust in God for all things. Now what we ought to have and what we do have and what we do do are totally different things. We, we ought to have trust in God for all things. Trust that God will take care of us. Trust that God will supply our needs. Trust that God will accomplish His purpose and will in our life. Trust that God will give us strength and ability. But we Here's where the rubber meets the road when it when we put that trust to test, when we put our faith to the test. And that is a circumstance that's found here in the scripture that uh, hopefully will help us to understand how we can have better trust in God. Look at with, with me, if you will, in John chapter four, beginning and verse forty six. It says, So Jesus came again into Caesarea of Galilee. Uh, a canyon of Galilee, excuse me, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. And then Jesus said unto him, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my son, uh, child die. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word uh, that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was go- now going down, he, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And then inquired he of them the hour in which, uh, when he began to amend, And they said unto him, Yesterday that the seventh hour of the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at that same hour in which Jesus said unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed, and his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea uh, uh, to Galilee. So what we see here is a man who comes is coming to Jesus and he has a young son that is uh, deathly ill. And you see, uh, trust begins with faith. The man knew that Jesus could heal people and he believed that Jesus was able to heal. Trust begins with faith. Uh, The man sought out Jesus because he knew that Jesus was healing others. He knew that Jesus was capable of healing his son. And so he began, uh, his trust began with faith that that Jesus would uh, be able to heal his son and go into Jesus. The problem that so many people have is 
in not trusting in God and, tr- and having their trust and belief in God, faith in God grow is because they don't first have faith that God is, is able or willing to do what uh, uh, they need in their life. So many people uh, today, if you ask them, they say, well, okay, uh, do you believe in God? Well, yeah, I believe in God. You say, do you trust God? Well, what do you mean by trust? Well, um, uh, a lot of times we talk about trusting in in Jesus Christ to save you of your sins. Trust that He uh, is uh, willing and able to do what uh, we uh, know and believe that makes a person a Christian is you know do you trust Jesus to uh, to forgive you of your sins? Do you trust in Jesus? Do you have faith in Him uh, to uh, do these things? Do you uh, and most times people will say, well, yeah, I believe that. I I, I trust that He uh, is able to do that, willing to do that, will do that. I have faith in Him that He is capable of doing that. And uh, then you, but see, here's the thing. There's a lot of people that go around living as if they haven't been forgiven. They say they have faith that Jesus can forgive us of our sins, that Jesus died on the cross and forgave us of our sins by the shedding of His blood. Jesus says that when uh, He uh, he tells us that when uh, when we uh, ask for forgiveness, that He takes uh, our sin and takes it as far as the east as the west from us. But yet you have people that when, when they ask for forgiveness, they continue to uh, have a problem with that sin. Maybe you've experienced this in your own life. Uh, the problem is one of uh, is sometimes manifest in two different ways. One, uh, one way is that uh, they uh, the problem that they have is that they they believe that Jesus is able to wash you of uh, cleanse you of your sin. Yet do you believe that Jesus can wash you of your sins? Yes, I believe that. Do you accept that? Yes, I accept that. Then they continue to struggle with that sin. They don't they don't uh, okay, Jesus has forgiven you. He's cast that sin as far as the east as the west. God says he's taken it and erased it from uh, the book of life, that sin out of your life, that he doesn't remember it. But how? Why is it that we oftentimes keep bringing it back up to God? God, I, you know, I just, I really, you know, we we have a tendency to continue to pray for forgiveness over and over and over for the same sin, and the reason is, is we don't feel like we've been forgiven. We don't feel as though, oh God, I know you can forgive me. Head knowledge. God, I trust in you to forgive me. Heart, heart understanding of faith. But we, when it comes to practicing it in our life, we fail to allow God to truly forgive us. Oh, I, and you'll hear people talk about this. Well, God might have forgotten it, but I can't forget it. Yeah, you've heard that before? Or, you know, uh, uh, I, God, God might have forgiven me, but I can't forget the fact that I've sinned this way, that I've done this. And so many times we get caught up in the fact that we just don't feel. And this is, look, this is, this is psychological for us a lot of times. We get to the point where God's forgiven us, but we can't forgive ourselves. 
And so we keep dragging that sin around with us. We keep holding that over our heads. We keep uh, reminding ourselves that we've done these things. I'm not worthy. I can't serve God because, look, I've done all this. I've done this, this, and this, and this. Did you ask for forgiveness? Did you repent of your sin? Did you turn away from that sin? Yeah. Then you ought to not hold that against yourself. You're holding it against yourself when God's already forgiven you. When God's already erased it out of your life, off, off of the records, you keep bringing it up and God keeps saying, what are you talking about? It's not, you know, God, God says, I've, uh, I've, uh, I won't remember your sin. When we ask for forgiveness, He says, I'll blot it out of my mind. The second way in which people have problems with sin is that not only will they not forget it and they continue to hold that over themselves to the point where they can't uh, uh, allow themselves to serve God because they, they say, you know, well, I know how, how bad of a sinner I am. I can't possibly uh, serve God. I can't teach that Sunday school class. I'm not worthy of, of doing that. I'm, I'm just, uh, and they keep bringing all that sin up. The second way is, is that uh, they continue to carry that sin around to the point where they continue in that sin. God says, I've taken it, I've uh, uh, washed you, cleansed you, made you whole again, and you carry that sin around in your life. And that second way is is that you continue to keep going back into that sin because you've not allowed God to erase that sin from your life. God says, I'll take it and I'll blot it out, but you carry it around to the point where it continues to, to tempt you, continues, continues to draw you into that sin, continue to cause you to sin more and more and more in that area because you won't let it go. Now that's trust in God. A failure to trust God to take it away from you. And to the point where you continue to have problems and problems with that sin. Uh, this man believed that Jesus Christ was able to, to, to heal his son. And that trust began with acting on that faith. He had faith that, God, uh, that Jesus was capable of, of uh, healing his son. And so he sought out Jesus, and when he found Jesus, he made his petition known. He says, and when he, uh, he went unto him, in verse 47, and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. This uh, man had faith and belief that Jesus could heal his son, and so he allowed. Uh, he came and made his petition known to Jesus Christ, and Jesus said to him. He, he's kind of foreshadowing his point here, and his point is: is except you see signs one and wonders, you will not believe. And uh, so he does something to try and help people to understand that faith in, and trust in Jesus Christ is more than uh, being able to see the evidence. And we talked about faith this morning and about how faith uh, should not be dependent upon seeing the results. And we looked at all those examples of those uh, heroes of faith who, didn't, who believed in God, believed in what Jesus, uh, had faith in what God uh, told, him, uh, told them about their walk with God, and yet never saw evidence of that faith fulfilled in their lifetime. 
this man uh, is has faith in Jesus Christ and he trusts in, in Jesus Christ and it's all about trust and uh, he says to the uh, the nobleman go thy way thy son liveth okay so Jesus says look um, I'm going to go beyond your understanding of and, and look so many times trust and faith is hindered by what our perception is as to how God can work in our life. Follow me here now. Don't, don't, uh, don't get lost on me now. What I'm talking about is, is that so many times we pray and, uh, and ask God for things in our life, commit things to God in our life, and we feel as though if God doesn't answer our prayer in a specific way, then He's not answered our prayer. And we've talked about this a little bit before. So many times we'll say, God, uh, I pray. And, and look, when you pray and ask God to, for healing for someone in your life and you say, God, you know, I, I love you and I trust in you. I believe that you're able, uh, you're the God of healing and that if it's your will and desire that you can bring healing to and you put the person's name in there, your mother, your sister, your friend, your, uh, your spouse, whoever it might be, and you say, God, I, I trust in you and I believe in you. Okay. And so uh, you've placed that person at the feet of God and you say, God, you bring healing to that person's life. Now, most of us would expect that for that prayer to be answered, that either, you know, they are miraculously healed. They go to the doctor the next time they go and all of a sudden that cancer is not present or that tumor is gone or is it shrunk or their heart is is pumping and working the way it's supposed to where it wasn't before or they fight, uh, they take a, a t- you, you go to the doctor and they draw blood or do tests on you and the tests come back better than they ever did before and and that that is uh, that's one expectation of healing and the other expectation of healing is, is that um, that uh, not not necessarily by miraculous means, but that God brings healing to that person through medicine and through uh, the modern miracles of medicine, and that God healed that person through uh, through a series of of uh, uh, treatments or whatever it might be. Uh, but don't you know there's more than that in terms of healing? Trust is believing that God is capable of doing and having faith in God to answer your prayer even when He answers your prayer in ways you don't expect or don't anticipate. You know, uh, uh, it took me a long time to understand that that when I asked for healing for someone uh, in my life, that God may choose to heal that person in a way that I don't really care for. You know, that person is healed of that disease, that sickness, by being called home to be with Him. It could be that God will heal that person by taking them out of this world and taking them from that, that uh, body of flesh that's racked with that disease and take them to be home with Him in His presence where that disease isn't there. And it took me a long time to understand that, yes, that's a way of God 
answering my prayer. It's not necessarily the way I would want it to, but God answered my prayer. God, and it's not that I, and no, it's not that, you know, look, God's not a magic genie uh, lamp. You know, the, all the fables about genies are is that, you know, you rub the, the lamp and the genie comes out, you got three wishes. And, and most of the fables uh, relate to uh, the idea that many of us would ask something of the genie and, and the genie get, grant the wish, but in a way that we didn't expect that brought harm rather than good. You know, uh, that, that's what all those fables... God's not a magic genie where you rub the lamp, you pray to God and say, God, uh, bring healing to that person. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, God heals that person in a way you don't anticipate and uh, you've been uh, tricked by God. That's not the case. What the case is, is that instead, you don't understand all the ways in which God can work in that person's life. It's not necessarily the result that you wanted, but, but God brought, you know, that's God's will for that person at that time. Now, first, we have to understand the ultimate will of God. The ultimate will of God is, is that there was, would have been no illness, no sickness, no death in this world. But when sin entered into the world, sin, death, disease, all those things did enter in. And so God's permissive will came in with the will, of, uh, with that choice that mankind made, that free will of choosing whether or not we would fall after God. And some of the results of sin in the world is sin and uh, brings death, disease, and all kinds of other things. And so when we ask God to, to bring healing to someone's life, it's not always uh, the prayer that we, uh, the way in which we desire because we love that person. We want them to uh, be healthy. We want them to be happy. We want them to be uh, with us so we can love them and, and express that love. But who would us, who, who of us would wish that someone not be in the presence of God? You know, would you, would you really pray that this sweet loved one of yours who's being racked by disease in a, a fleshly body of, you know, 90, 80 years old, that, that just that everything's just winding down, that you would pray that God would wrench them from His presence, the glory of the presence of God after they've gone on to be with Him, to be with you? How selfish is that? So sometimes God answers our prayer by taking, taking that beloved saint on home to be with Him or meeting our need in a way that we don't expect. You know, we, we, God, you know, I need help. You know, I need help in this situation. And oftentimes we're, we're thinking, God, give me a great job where I can earn a big fat paycheck and pay all my bills and take care of this situation. And it could mean that God bring along a, a wonderful saint that's going to come along and help you in a way that you never expected uh, because God's 
the Spirit of God directed them to, to come into your life and to help you in that way. Or it could be that God wants you to grow in your faith and grow in your uh, dependence upon Him and meet your needs in ways that you never expect. Not to get a job. Not to get you know all those things. Not to have that big fat paycheck. Because why? Because you could grow to, to worship that job. Worship that ch- paycheck. Worship money and the things that money can give you rather than worshiping God who uh, is the one that we ought to depend for all of our needs. And so this man had faith in God, uh, trust in God, and God. And Jesus said to him, uh, "Not." Jesus didn't say, "Hey, sure, let's go right now. We'll run, race to your son's side." He says, "Go, your son lives." And the man had to decide. And and listen, trust and faith in God always has a turning point. Because you've got to be the one to exercise trust and faith in God. You've got, there's a turning point of whether or not you're going to actually believe in, and trust in God or not. You see, you've got to exercise faith, you've got to exercise trust in Him. In order to have it, you've got to exercise it. You've got to put it into practice. This man could have uh, stood there and said, Jesus, you don't understand. You've got to come now. It's like like Naaman in the Old Testament. You know, Naaman came and wanted uh, to be healed of his leprosy. And uh, he came to the prophet and the prophet said, hey, go, go wash in the Jordan River. And he said, that old nasty thing, there's plenty of other rivers I could go back where I come from. You want me to go wash in that filth? He, he kind of wanted the prophet of God to come out, wave his hand, say some special words, and, and all of a sudden, poof, he'd be healed. <coughs> God directed the prophet to say, hey, go, go wash in the river. Go wash in the Why? Because that's how God chose to, to heal him, and also it forced him to exhibit some faith, to trust in God. This man could have stood there and argued with Jesus, but instead he had faith that Jesus could heal him. Faith that he put into practice and trust through trust in Jesus Christ. And so he, he went on his way. And, and we're to understand it took uh, from the Scripture here, it says that it, if you read it and understand what it's saying here, it took him some time to get home. He, it, it, it's not like he, he got in his Prius and drove 30 minutes down the road and he was home. It took him at least a day because as he was going, his servant comes and says, your son lives. When? Well, it was yesterday, about the seventh hour. So he'd been traveling from yesterday, the seventh hour, to the point in which the servant meets him on the road and says, your son lives. So he didn't instantly get an understanding that his son was healed. He had to have faith and trust that Jesus was had healed him, and it took him some time. And uh, as he's going, he finds out that yes, that his son lives. And he says, "When did it happen?" And he says, "That's exactly when Jesus said that your son lives." And so he goes home and shares that with everyone else. And not only he is growing in his faith, but his whole household does. Trust leads to greater faith. 
trust leads to having greater trust in God. And trust is contagious. When we trust in God, when we have faith in God, we exhibit that faith. Others can see that in us. They want to know what we've got that, we, that they don't have. His whole family came to know, uh, came to trust and believe in Jesus Christ because of His trust. And the problem is that so many of us want to come. We get in a routine like that elephant. We come to church, we leave and go home. We come to church, leave and go home. And we don't really exhibit a whole lot of trust. So when it comes time for a great test, our trust in God is not strong. But the more we trust, the more we have faith. The more faith that we build in Christ, the greater our trust in Him, the greater our our understanding of the things that He can do. Look, we ought to say, trust and faith in God says not what we can see, but what we believe that God is leading us to do. And so in a church, trust and faith in God says, Uh, that we'll do this regardless of what our bank account says, regardless of what our budget has been. God calls us to do this ministry, and we say, well, there's no money there for that. That's what a lot of times we say. Well, we can't do that. The money's not there. That's not been said here, so don't worry. It's not. I'm not talking about here, but I've I've been in churches where that's the case. Oh, preacher, that's a wonderful thing. That would be great to do that ministry, but if only we had the money. And we, I just don't see how we could possibly do that because we don't have the money. Well, that's trusting in money, not in God. If God wants you to do that, God's going to provide the way. If God, desire, if God is really directing you in the ministry of that church to do that uh, work, then God's going to provide the means to accomplish that. Does that mean that we say, you know, well, I trust and believe in God that He's going to provide Lamborghinis for all of us to drive around this community and, and witness? No. But it does mean that we can have trust and belief that God will help us as we go to minister to people in our community and tell them about Jesus Christ. We might be riding on mules or walking, but He'll give us the means to go and to reach people if we'd simply trust in Him. It doesn't mean that we'll be given the best of, of you know, uh, BMW or Mercedes in order to go out there. It means that He'll provide a way for us to do it. We just simply have to trust in Him to lead us and guide us. And that's how trust is built. How trust grows and understanding. First, having faith in God that He's able to do what He says He will do. Then, uh, belief that, that God is able to do even when it's not in the way in which we understand. The turning point. Believing and trusting in God through that turning point to follow after Him. You know, we have a choice. Either follow God or not. And so many times I've stood in the pulpit and delivered a message to a church and said, this is the turning point. They'll either trust in God to do this and to follow Him or they'll continue in their old, worn-out ways. And I've felt that at times in my ministry. And I've watched church time and again not follow after Christ. And the problem is, is God can't bless us if we don't trust in Him. 
He can't help us through our circumstances when we don't trust in Him. It's one thing to have faith, but you've got to put that faith into practice. You've got to put that faith in... Uh, you've got to put feet underneath it. This man had faith. He trusted, believed in God, believed in Jesus Christ, and followed after, did what he said, followed after Jesus' instruction, and as a result, he saw that Jesus healed his son. We've got to have faith in, in Jesus Christ. Believe and trust in Him. And let Him lead us in the way that we're to go. The question is, well, do you have faith? Do you trust in Him? Do you trust Jesus to exercise your faith in Him? I've been going back and forth and talking about faith and trust, and I understand that that can be kind of confusing a little bit. But faith says, I believe. Trust puts that belief and faith into practice. And we've got to put faith and belief in Him in practice in our daily life, in the life of this church, and follow after Him. Let's pray.